we are living in a moment of history that perhaps years from now, a generation from now, they might be reading about what was written about this week in history. War really changes lives, you know, it separates people, but at the same time, sometimes those separation causes people to draw near to their creator. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today is a special emergency episode due to what's happening in Ukraine. One of my best friends, Brock Gill, is a magician and owner of a nonprofit that for the last three years has been doing humanitarian work in Ukraine, specifically with a man named Karin. In this episode, we will be speaking to both Brock and Karin about what is going on in Ukraine and hearing the firsthand accounts from Karin himself. I know this isn't our typical type of episode, but I feel that this is the type of information that just needs to be shared. So without any further ado, let's listen into my conversation with Brock Gill and Karin. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. You are in Moldova now, is that correct? Yes, I'm Currently in Moldova, yeah, neighboring country to Ukraine. This is just a crazy time right now in Ukraine. I just want to hear your story about how you guys met and what's currently going on. Caught in, we want to hear your story. Uh, you know, we were doing shows in Ukraine and uh, a few years ago, and uh, Karin was our interpreter and host, and uh, we worked alongside him in many different ways at the universities that we were performing at and the uh, in the town square. We had, you know, a big show, a couple of thousand people come. Uh, uh, he helped put all of that together and facilitated a lot. Uh, we just connected with him really well and stayed in touch. And uh, later just felt like we needed to kind of partner and be like a, like almost like a team where we could help facilitate the ongoing work that he's doing there in Ukraine with orphans, with the poor people that live in villages. And so what we started doing was um, trying to find ways to fund some efforts where he would take food packages into villages and feed the the widows and, and the really poor people in those uh, remote villages all around Ukraine. Well, that relationship grew and grew. And um, uh, just a few weeks ago, or I guess it was in December, we started realizing that there was something not feeling right with this Russian uh, uh, situation. And um, uh, we, you know, we were praying and we were listening and we were watching. And uh, I guess it was about eight uh, days ago. Um, uh, well, maybe 10 days ago, we were, we were in the final hours of, of preparation. And uh, uh, I remember, I think it was, I forget which night it was now, but uh, I, I texted Karin and said, go now run. <laughs> and uh, he had already filled up his tank, which proved to be a very, very smart thing. Uh, he was living in Odessa and he took his family of, uh, I'll let him tell this part with details, but he took his family and ran to the border and got out of Ukraine within one hour, within one hour of of the border closing as the Russians were invading. And so I'll let him tell the details and how crazy the things he saw along the way. But, but that's, that's kind of a little bit of how we met in our history. And we've just, we have an ongoing relationship as a part of my nonprofit uh, called Brockville Creative to help facilitate and fuel the work that he does in Eastern Europe. Karin, Amazing story. Yeah, I it's, it's just crazy to see what's going on over there with the news, but you're actually there. You're experiencing it and you're seeing the people that are needing to get out. You're facilitating people. You're, you're putting them in uh, homes. You're feeding them, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Tell me what's going on from yep. your, from well, your it, experience. It's a, it's a real 
it's a real war. It was an attack um, from Russia. And, uh, you know, even though they were lying to the whole world that uh, for the last few years that they will never have they will never attack Ukraine. They don't they have no intentions to do so. But everybody kind of knew, especially in the last few months, that it was not coincidence that they are gathering so many troops and so many military around our borders. And basically, you know, they were saying that they're just this is just an exercise. But you don't bring 150,000 troops and all kinds of weaponry to borders and surround one nation if you want to do just simple exercise. You know, I mean, that's that costs a lot to do that. So, I mean, you don't you got to do that if you're planning to attack and which they did on the morning, early morning, five o'clock in the morning. Sounds familiar. Something like that happened in 1941 when Hitler attacked Soviet Union early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning of June 22nd without any warning. So without any warning, I mean, we could see the signs i mean there were warning signs and red flags that were kind of flashing and saying that something gonna happen something about to happen but of course majority of people in ukraine they were still hoping till the last minute that it's not gonna happen that it's just uh you know that just america and russia you know just playing who's stronger just uh you know playing with their muscle muscles and showing off and just threatening each other but uh i guess putin wasn't just playing this time he he did it and uh, on five o'clock in the morning, we heard the bombing near near my apartment complex. Uh, it was like boom, 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 boom. And I woke up, and my wife woke up, and uh, and we realized that it wasn't just the fireworks, but it was something different. And then it repeated again, boom, boom, boom. And uh, by God's grace, we managed to pack. We have four children, so and uh, you know, I mean, those who know who have more than one child knows that to packing up kids, it's, it takes some time, you know, but we were able to do it in 40 minutes, just throw an emergency closing that we would need documents, grab our documents, our passports. And an hour after that, we were on our way to, to the border to Republic of Moldova, which is a neighboring nation and only 50 miles away from Odessa, the border. So we drove before it started chaos and panicking because if I would have stayed there an hour later, you know, it would have been hard to leave. You know, so uh, and then the martial law was implemented in our country. And for men from 18 to 60, it's even harder to leave if you don't have three children, my, minor age, uh, then 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 it's OK. They let you go. So uh, and uh, since we left, you know, Russia attacked from um, every direction, from the north, from the east, from the south. The the battles are going on. It's really hot there. It's really um a lot of devastation, you know, and I mean, I don't want to focus on talking about all this negative stuff, but, you know, the consequences of war, it's always uh, death, sorrow, pain, sufferings and scattered people uh, who don't who don't know what to do, where to run for their lives, for their families, for their children. So and that's why uh, we relocated in Moldova and immediately we organized the uh, volunteers headquartered for refugees from Ukraine. On the basis of our, one of our uh, local evangelical churches, who's a pastor of that church is a very dear friend of mine, and uh, so uh, and so we what we're doing is we we're facilitating every day from 50 to 70 refugees only in this building, and then plus hundreds in the different different other locations around Moldova and Chisinau, which is the capital of Moldova. We're providing them food and some necessary things for those who are staying longer in Moldova, all the necessities for the you know for a couple of weeks to survive, and then. But most of the people, they're transiting Moldova and going 
further to Europe, to Western nations like Germany, Austria, and as etc. So, um, and what we're we hearing from Ukraine that um, our army is standing strong, our army is defending because Russians were thinking that they will take the whole country in two days, but uh, it turned out that it's not so. It's been already eight days of war, and uh, they haven't been successful for them. They lost a lot, a lot, a lot of casualties, a lot of people, and they haven't taken any major big cities yet. But the fight is going there real, real, I mean, like a real war like you would see in the movies with all the buildings collapsing. They're, they're shooting missiles into residential areas. But in Russia, they're reporting that they're not shooting residential or civil uh, areas, uh, civil buildings, but they're doing that and... Uh, uh, a lot of innocent people, of course, children and women and, and men and elderly people are dying under the collapse of those buildings. Uh, I, I should probably also jump in and say a, another guy that we're really, really close to and just really adore. One of my favorite people, he's just he's a, he's a strong man and we call him Z. He's a big dude and he works. Um, uh, he performs as a strong man and, and just loves people. And uh, he's a part of the the network, the, the team that, that Karin has there. And we did a, a show with him in Odessa and just were absolutely amazed at what, at, at the, the, the feats of strength that he does. He's currently hiding in a basement. He's been there. This is, I think day eight, he's been hiding. Um, we've told him do not leave, even though he wants to leave. He's a big guy. He could go rip, rip necks off of people. He's, he's just huge. But he's hiding um, because we know that if he's discovered, they're going to think he's like special forces, you know, soldier. But he's currently hiding and it and is is surrounded by the Russian forces. Like it is a critical, critical situation. We are praying for him uh, every day. We are so worried about him and his family as they're hiding in the basement with his seven-year-old and four-year-old boys. He stopped in his town, which is in the north, close to the border of Russia. And he's still there hiding with his two children and his wife in the basement. And uh, I just received a short message from him about 30 minutes ago. Short, one sentence. Karen, it's very bad here. I mean, that means that there, there's a battle on the streets of his town right now. So that's um, that's the thing. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that, we're also hearing some reports of miracles, of some great testimonies. Like uh, one of our um, one of our brothers from our church, he's an officer in Ukrainian military, and he, uh, he he shared with us this testimony that he's he and his men were sitting in hiding and looking out for Russians for Russian Marines to land on the shore, and at that very moment he started to pray. And he felt that he needs to take his men and leave that spot where they were sitting in hiding. As soon as they did it, they shot the bombs on that very spot. Just, just, just a couple minutes after that, they missed and and it was a miracle. Uh, also, uh, the remaining the remainings of our those that still in Odessa in our church in Odessa, there's still a, a team that uh, remaining there. They couldn't leave. They praying that God would send the sea uh, sea storms. Because our city is located on the Black Sea. And it's for the last three days, it's been so stormy on the, on the Black Sea that uh, Russian ships, military ships, cannot do the landing of their Marines on our shores. So, it's, it's, it's you know, we hear, and I hear all these stories every day coming and coming. And so, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a sad situation, but at the same time, we as uh, ministers, we as people who can bring comfort 
and some encouragement to those people who are lost, who are discouraged. Some of them are in depression. You know, yesterday I was consulting and a lot of people and all you just need to do is just listen to them. Listen, listen, because, uh, you know, that's the best thing for now for these people is to listen to their pain and, uh, and of course, give them a solution. So. And you're currently, there's a lot of refugees coming in to Moldova and like you said, surrounding areas. What are you seeing with that in terms of just people flooding in? Are, are you housing people into other people's homes or are people taking in refugees? Yeah, yeah. Praise God that, uh, uh, you know, Moldovian, Moldavian people, they stood out for Ukraine and uh, we, we, we were not expecting that so many people would respond and and would like to, you know, help and 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 offer their homes, their apartments, their facilities to host the refugees. Same thing in Poland. Those three nations that we neighbor with Moldova, Romania, and Poland. I mean, this situation really revealed who is who and who is a true neighbor when it comes to when difficult time comes. Who is really out there, you know, to open their arms and and receive you and give you all kinds of help. So uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, we trying to host. I mean, but uh, we're running out of the options. That's for sure because. Moldova is a small country, <clears throat> so um, uh, it's really a limited, you know, limited amount of space and places where we can host people because they're coming by thousands now, and especially since they started now actively, uh, you know, shooting and shelling in, around Odessa, more people start fleeing. Like yesterday, it was the pick of the uh, refugees, and um, it was yeah. one of those days when you like. You wish you would never go through this day ever in your life. That was that was the day yesterday. It just it feels so, like yeah. I was just gonna say it just feels like we're living in a history in in history already. Like this is unfathomable in the modern age that something like this is happening. This is Cold War, World War Two type stuff. I mean, what are you feeling with all this right now? Well, it's I'm feeling that uh, I'm feeling that we will win. Ukraine will win at the end, you know. I'm feeling that uh, Russia's regime and Belarusian regime they will they will break on Ukraine. Ukraine it's like a stumbling rock, stumbling stone for them, and it's gonna and they're gonna get crushed because already within the Russia uh, with the new sanctions that U.S. and European Union applied after the attack. On Ukraine, right now, Russia's economy is going down the hill. They're suffering so bad. They're losing billions of money. Everything stopped. People are lining up at the cash machines to withdraw cash, and there's no cash already in those in those ATMs and the banks. And, and so they're, they're, I have a friend who lives in Moscow, and he sent a short message yesterday. He said, it's, it's crazy what's going on here, too. I mean, there's no... Uh, war, there's no bomb, bomb explosions, but uh, there's another thing. Economy is going down. And so we are believing and hoping that this will finally close and open the eyes of the Russian people to realize that they're living under evil regime of Mr. Putin. And finally, maybe they will stand up like the Ukraine did eight years ago. And like we stood up against the regime we had eight years ago on our revolution on Maidan. And finally, that Russians, Russians will also stand up and say that's enough is enough and so let's stop this guy and let's you know let's deal with this we don't want to live in a country like that so but unfortunately a lot of russians are blinded by the propaganda you know and um, they they think that they can that their that their army 
their army came to liberate us from Nazis and fascists. That's how, that's what their propaganda was feeding Russian uh, population, is that Ukraine on the oppression of the fascists and coming to set, to liberate, you know, the brotherly nation, Slavic nation of Ukraine. That's what they truly and honestly believe. That's what they're doing. They're helping us. You know, that's, you know, sort of speaking. So, Karin, here's what here's here's what's happening right now. And this is where I want you to give us kind of a, a plan. We've seen a lot of donations come in uh, this week because it's very exciting. There's a lot going on. The news is highlighting the problem and everybody wants to do something right now. And we are funneling money to you to help. Uh, make sure that refugees have a bed and get fed and like, like work that's happening right now. Like we're, we're funneling that money to you to put it to work right away. But what we fear is, uh, and I want you to speak to this, you know, donations are coming in today, but three months from now or six months from now, that work will be ongoing and the need will still be there because this isn't a one week thing. This isn't like, Oh, we're going to go back to normal in a couple of weeks. Like this is a serious problem. This is a humanitarian problem. that's going to last for a long time. These are people that have left homes, left jobs, left cars behind, let, you know, everything, they left everything to cross the border in an emergency with, without even being able to bring luggage. They have to start over in a new country. Sometimes they don't even speak the language in the new country. And this is a serious problem. How can we help long-term solve some of this uh, problem and and really change people's lives more than just this week? But how can we help you uh, and your your network there long-term? I think that one of the major things that would be needed is, uh, you know, people who can also minister to these people. Because, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I see that uh, a lot of organizations, a lot of uh, humanitarian organizations and governments of European countries are standing out and, and funding and sending support and providing food and etc. But what it would be lacking is, is, that, is that very thing of how to reach these people, you know, how to, uh, you know, minister to their hearts. And, and that's where we would need a volunteers who are trained uh to because you know i mean you can give them a food package one two times you can give them clothing but still inside they will be broken and they would have have no idea what to do how to leave they won't see any purpose i mean this frustration and discouragement and that's why i think the major emphasis for us should be in long term is to create a platform or create a team of people a trained people who can minister to those people, not only psychologically, but also spiritually, you know, uh, and, and, you know, bringing life and hope and comfort. And uh, because um, sometimes a few words, a few sentences of hope, I can really do much more, you know, uh, bring a much more blessing than, uh, than any aid, honestly. So, and of course, uh, of course, the resources would be needed as well for that, and and, and as as well as for you know, continue to uh, help those that are in really desperate situation. You know, like those who would need uh, food and uh, and other stuff. But because a lot of the refugees are escaping to Europe, uh, European Union has pretty you know set up pretty good uh, uh, package of aid for those people for those refugees. So I don't think they're going to starve or be without clothing, but they will be starving inside without 
you know, message of hope, you know, without, without qualified people who can come and minister to them, not just lecture them, but minister to their heart, to their soul. And I think this is what, what I really want to focus on, you know, because there's only uh, you limited in how many people you can feed and close, you know, you, you can do it. It's, it's tens, tens of thousands of people. It's a hundred thousand people. I think right now, uh, approximately 250 to 300,000 Ukrainians are already gone, left the country. So um, that's why, uh, and of course, we won't be able to help all of them, but definitely we will help some. But I think if we can reach them with a message of hope that will bring comfort and give them, you know, strength inside to not give up and not to, uh, you know, be there alone and discouraged and in depression. So that, that's, that I think would be a great thing. But for that, we need a team, of course. We need to equip the team to do that. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things I want to speak to is, and what you're saying right now is the fact that there is a humanitarian need and also a emotional and spiritual need that people have. That uh, the you know right now the the there's a transition where they're going from one country to an, another, and you're helping feed them and getting them, you know, clothed and that sort of thing, like like in the immediate. But eventually they're going to be in a country where the government or others will kind of help get them going. But the, what will remain is the is that need that the government can't necessarily fill. There's people that are dealing with PTSD. They've been snatched out of their country. And you imagine a, 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 a you know, a, a young teenage or, a you know, an eight year old boy or a 13 year old girl who doesn't understand all of this. And there's a lot of questions they're going to have that just simply can't be answered. We need real people that can help love these people like on the ground, like kind of kind of boots on the ground for that purpose. And that's where um, we're behind you, uh, Karin, and your uh, the, the team that you assemble in uh, in today, Moldova. But it looks like it's going to be spread into other neighborhoods. Yes. yes, because I'm receiving phone calls every day from my friends in Romania. Uh, because the thousands and thousands of Ukrainian now stuck in Romania, they, they went there uh, because a lot of people, you know, they wanted to leave Moldova as soon as possible because if, if and I don't want to say that, but but the wor- in the worst scenario, if our army will not prevail, for, for Russians, to, it's their plan to take Moldova too because, you know, Moldova is not in NATO. Moldova was borders with the former Soviet Union and it was part of Soviet Union. And Putin intends to rebuild the former borders. So a lot of people fleeing to Romania because Romania is part of NATO. And then, then you know, if he attacks Romania, he takes the whole NATO uh, aliens. So and that's why a lot of people end up being in Romania. And calls me and he says, Karen, they don't speak Romanian. They don't speak English. Unfortunately, a lot of Ukrainians, they don't speak English. Most, I would say. And uh, they only speak Russian and Ukrainian. And said, and we need people here who speak Russian and Romanian or Russian and English who can help to minister, to reach them, to gather them. So that's why I am really considering to uh, go moving there and, uh, you know, and, and doing this, this kind of work, this work that will bring some healing to their emotions in, in the places where they're now gathered. So, yeah. Have you seen or experienced any, uh, anything or any stories that you could share about, um, you personally ministering to to people? Yeah, yeah, we were just, you know, we were ministering to people here yesterday and the day before. And, you know, um, I think the greatest miracle that I could witness right now 
is that uh, when you share with them the message of hope, when you tell them the simple words of Jesus, when he says that all who are burdened and weary come to me and you will find the rest for your souls, people just start crying. They're breaking tears. And then it's just like, and for me, this is the greatest miracle when you can see how the, how the power that, has the, that, can, that contains the word of God can heal their soul, can bring hope can restore, can put, put the smile back on their face. I think this is the greatest miracle that we can experience, you know. And um, we even had a one, one lady. She's maybe in her late 30s. She was here with her uh, husband, who is Israeli. And uh, they stayed for one day at our temporary refugee camp here. And, uh, and then he left. He left. He flew back to Israel. But she stayed. And I asked her, why did you stay? Well, she said, well, first of all, she couldn't leave because she doesn't have a passport and Israel doesn't receive without documents. And, uh, and she said, well, I just thought, saw you guys doing this kind of work here. I decided to stay in Moldova since I can't go anywhere else. And I decided to just dedicate my whole time to volunteer and help you here at the headquarters, you know, and, uh, and she was not Christian. So, you know, we prayed for her. We led her to the Lord. And now she's a born again Christian doing the, you know, helping other volunteers. So this has just happened in the last two days. So, so we, we're expecting more miracles like that. War, war really changes lives. You know, it separates people. But at the same time, sometimes those separation causes people to draw near to their creator. So thank you, Karin, for sharing these amazing stories. Obviously, if, if somebody's watching or listening to this and they happen to be bilingual and, and can get out there um, to help, of course, that would be awesome. But a lot of us um, just feel a little helpless because we can't get over there. We, we don't speak the languages. What are some things that the people in America, people in other uh, Western countries, um, what are some things that we can do to help uh, right now? Keep praying that the Ukrainian army will prevail and uh, that our we won't we won't lose our our you know independence that we will we will not become one of the Russia's uh, you know banana republics. And uh, secondly, of course, I want to encourage all our listeners: if you you know yeah, if there's anything you can come up some ideas or maybe creative ideas that you can help. I mean, any, anything could be useful here. You know, all the resources, money, prayers, I don't know, uh, Samaritan box, whatever. It's uh, anything. It's it definitely we can use it to, uh, you know, uh, as an open door uh, to bring the message of hope to this desperate people right now. So, so Brock, uh, you've been working in the Ukraine for several years. And um, obviously right now the need is huge. How can people give towards Karin and what's going on over in Ukraine? Yeah, you're right. We've, we've been there for a while. And so our heart is with those people. And uh, we're a small organization, very small. And it also makes us nimble. So we were able to reallocate, reallocate some funds and quickly kind of, kind of uh, rush to the, the urgent need. But we know uh, that this is going to be a long-term effort. So money um, that comes in uh, on our website, brockgillcreative.com, uh, that money uh, we're setting aside for the long-term impact for what's happening in, in Ukraine or, or more, more specifically 
now uh, beyond the borders of, of, of Ukraine. And um, we've been feeding the poor there for quite some time. And this is not some uh, flash in the pan. Like we decided to do this because it was all uh, trendy or exciting. Like we, we're invested there. We are invested and love the people there. And we work with people in different parts of the world. But like I said, we're, we're a small, uh, a, a small little organization. And uh, uh, I've been doing this for 25 years. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not going anywhere. This is the, for the long run, like we hope and our plan is to make a difference in people's lives, uh, for, for many years to come, because we think that the devastation will have a residual effect that will go for a long, long time. So we're, we're in it. We're, we're in it for a long time. Great. And I, maybe, maybe we could follow up in a couple of months and see how things are going as well. Um, so yeah, everybody go to brockgillcreative.com. You can support directly there. All the, uh, technical details are listed on his site there. And, uh, like Brock said, before the war even happened, they've been involved in Ukraine working with Karin. Um, Karin, what a massive, huge honor to have you on the show today and to talk to you and to meet you. I hope to meet you in person. I hope to meet you in person someday and um, would love to come shoot a video or do some magic and, and minister and do some cool stuff with you guys. Yeah, looking forward to that. Definitely after the war, we will, we will have to go back to Ukraine and, and people would need especially magic shows because that's something that can, you know, get their mind off the consequences of the war. That's for sure. 100%. We'll be there. It was same wise. Was was honored to uh, chat with you and to, with all our listeners. We sending our uh, greetings and blessings and all the best for all of you guys.